That shit was funny. I was surprised how it came out. I just, I didn't make any of that. I just used a bunch of different loops and oh, really? spliced them together. Yeah. And then the voice is me. Right. I did three layers of my voice. <laughs> a, um, a low, title. a high. News. <laughs> News segment. And then just the whisper. <laughs> Untitled. News segment. It's great, man. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and good evening. Welcome to The Midnight Connection, the podcast where two dads talk about anything they want at the only time they can. Thank you for joining us for episode seven. And today we have a lot of things to talk about. I'm still a little bit wired because I just came back from a concert because that's my life on a Wednesday. (laughs) (laughs) Is there ever a bad day for a concert? I feel like there was there wasn't that many people at the concert that I went to. Makes sense. It was an ill attended concert, but I'll talk about that later. Okay. It was it was still a great time. I want to thank you guys for joining us for another episode. We are so glad to be with you and talking like we always do. And we're going to start off like we always do with a connection question. So, Chris, today I present to you the question: What was the best vacation you ever took, and why? Ever. Okay. I know the one that jumps out to me. Now, it's entirely possible I'm forgetting something. As long as it doesn't get you in trouble with your wife. (laughs) And for that reason, the answer is Alaska. (laughs) (laughs) No, but uh, we, so we took a trip to Alaska and um, it was, it was really awesome. So we've we've been there plenty of times, you know, uh, Francis, Grew up there. She's got family there. So we had plenty of reasons to go. The only thing is every other time that we've gone that I went, you know, when I got, they've obviously been tons of times, but the only time I went was always for some kind of event, you know, mm. some like a wedding or what, what have you. So we were there for a purpose and it was kind of the thing that dominated the trip. This time we went to Alaska and, you know, I was working remotely. So we were there for a while, but over the summertime, but we were there to just really be there and like enjoy our time in Alaska. And that was the first time I really got to go out and see it, you know? Sure. And it was awesome because we, we went out with Alaska, um, was it? in Anchorage. Okay. We, we go out with Francis's cousin primarily and we, you know, kind of mix and match a little bit, but uh, he was the main guy and we went on hikes galore. And Ooh. I'll tell you, I tell you, you know, I, I know hiking is not everybody's cup of tea. Yeah. But hiking in Alaska is something else because the, the payoff you get after all that hard work is incredible. So while we're hiking, right, Francis's cousin's like, hey, do you hike back in Virginia? I was like, fuck no. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> you out of your goddamn mind. You're like, we have mountains, yes. But when you get up there to the top of the mountain, all you see is a bunch of trees, you know? Mm. And it's not, it's not like, I don't know, to me, it's not really something worth the trip, right? It's cool. Sure. You know, it's, it's great to have done that and achieved that, but you don't have this really great view or vista at the top. In Alaska, everything you climb has a gorgeous view 
that is different from the last thing you climbed, which is probably only a few miles away. Wow. And it it's freaking awesome. And so in the summertime, you worry about bugs. The bugs are only a problem like right at the base where, where all the shrubbery in the trees are. Once you get past that, you're fine. They go away. The other thing is, if you're lucky, there's still snow on the mountain in certain parts mm. or mountains. And you can just hop right on that thing and ride it right down the mountain wow. <laughs> like like a snow slide. It's amazing. But so that was awesome. And the other reason was be- reason why is because uh, Io and Benji are, were with there with us and they were old enough to really like enjoy it too. So they would go along on some of the hikes with us, not all of them. Mm-hmm. But the, the day we left, Io did a whole, it was like eight, nine mile hike there and back. Oh, wow. The day we That's flew out. That's a long out. ass hike. Yeah, it's a lot. And she, like, I only picked her up for like a really brief portion of it. She walked the whole thing. Heck yeah. But it's it's fun. It's gorgeous. Uh, like like for that, that hike in particular, is we went to a place called Rabbit Lake. They call it the Rabbit Lake because it's a lake that is nestled between these two peaks that look like rabbit ears. So it's a pretty level hike. You get all the way out there, and there's this beautiful, still lake. And mm. so you, you hang out there, break out your food, take some nice pictures, and then you head on back. Nice. I'm looking picture, uh, pictures of it now. Yeah, it's gorgeous, man. But you meet a lot of cool people on the way. Um, if you do the more touristy hikes like flat top, you might run into people from all areas. Like people will go there and that's one of the first ones people do. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it's cool because when you get up there, you, just, you have this whole huge, like flat area, obviously that's why they call it flat top. Flat top. And so like, sometimes you can catch parties up there. People will hike a bunch of like drinks up there. So I heard some people bring like trampoline up there. <laughs> All kinds of crazy <laughs> shit. Yeah. Cause there's so much room. Sure. But it's a very, you know, it's a very popular one. Lots of tourists will be there. If you catch the other ones, you'll get like the real Alaskans who are practically running up and down the mountain trail while you're dying, just trying to That's <laughs> hike, hike it at regular speed. That is hilarious. You know, uh, that reminds me, um, Stephanie and I went to Machu Picchu in Peru cause my nice. family's Peruvian. This is not my top vacation, but, you know, the altitude up there is really high and the steps that, you know, the Incas were really small people, mm. like four and a half feet. Okay. So when you're going up these ruins, the steps are like probably eight inches apart in height. Okay. And the depth of them is like five inches. So it's a really weird that step. That's horrendous. <laughs> <laughs> and so it was really difficult to breathe while you're climbing these narrow ass stairs. And then you look look over to your left and it's the people who actually live there, like these three foot five uh, ladies yeah. with bales of hay on their head, one child uh, strapped to the front, <laughs> another one strapped to the back, walking vertically at like a 55 degree angle. And I'm like, how? How? How is that fun? Dude, I can't imagine going down. That must have been terrifying. Oh my god! No, man, that's really cool though. I've always, I've always wanted to go to Alaska. I've never had the chance to. One of my, I hope you do. One of my bucket list items, which honestly will probably never happen the way the Earth is going, is to take <laughs> an Arctic cruise. Oh, that would be pretty sweet. 
Yeah. I've I never love, cruised around a lot. I definitely want to do that too. Or it's gorgeous. I love the cold. Mm. I think Stephanie and I looked into an Arctic cruise at one point and it's mm. like so fucking expensive. You can do like a five day or a 10 day. And they basically say like on the website, if you want to see anything, you have to do the 10 day because that's how <laughs> deep they have to go in. Holy crap to the Arctic in order for you to see, you know, like the whales or the polar bears and, and stuff like that. Yeah. And it, and obviously that's just going to get worse. <laughs> it's going to get, yep. It's just going to get worse. Those poor polar bears. Well, yeah, it, it was, it was a really great trip because we just got to spend a ton of time with family and not have to worry about anything else at all. Yeah. So it was really, that's really cool. I am not a hiker, but if it was okay. in the cold, maybe, maybe. Well, I mean, we were there in the summertime. It still gets pretty freaking hot. But oh, really? Yeah. Then I take it back. <laughs> and it was <laughs> like it was a uh, like the sun never really goes down, you know. So nighttime. Oh no! You gotta <laughs> yeah. You only get like three hours of night. You got barely not even. It always like I think the darkest it got at that time was maybe what it might look like at ten or eleven at summertime here. Mm. Yeah. And it just stayed that way. Wow. So like you had to put down the blackout, you know, blinds and stuff like that. And I was working, so I was working weird hours. <laughs> and I'd get on a call at like five in the morning or something, and they're like, Why is it so bright out there? I'm like, it's bright all day. It's never not bright. <laughs> it's kind of it's really weird. <laughs> that has to like fuck with your mind. It does. We came back and I was like, I am not used to the darkness. The darkness just means go to the fuck to sleep. Because we were there for almost two months, I think. That's a long time. I didn't realize you guys were there that long. It was a long time. Wow. So, uh, yeah, I was really, really really weird to come back and for it to be night. (laughs) Like, pitch black night. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, this is what I was missing? I know. Yeah. What about yours? So, best vacation I ever took. I had to look it up because I don't remember when it was. But it was in June of 2017. Um, as we know, maybe, cause I think we referenced it in one episode. I'm a huge Radiohead fan. Mm-hmm. Always have been. I've seen them live like seven times, I think maybe eight. I always forget, but they were t- doing a tour for an album they had just released and they were only doing West coast shows and European shows. And mm-hmm. Steph bought tickets and she messaged me and was like, Oh, I got tickets to Radiohead. I wanted to surprise you. I think it was for like Christmas. And I was like, how did you get tickets? Like they're not <laughs> playing anywhere near us unless we're going to like drive to California or whatever. She was like, no, I got them uh, in Italy. Man. And I was like, oh. this, this chick needs to chill. How am, I, <laughs> how am I supposed to compete with Italy? But that, That's pretty sweet. It was very sweet. So we ended up making a, um, I think we were gone six or seven days. And what we ended up doing is that Stephanie has family in Rotterdam. Okay. So we were like, all right, if we're going to go to Europe, we're not just going to go for Radiohead. Because, you know, you can take like those Ryanair super cheap flights from place to place. Yeah. So we actually decided to fly into Amsterdam, spend like three days there because Rotterdam was just like pretty close. So we could take the train in Mm -hmm. and then chill, 
go to Florence, Italy for like two days, chill, mm-hmm. and then see Radiohead, and immediately the next day go back home. Wow. Yeah, man, it was so dope. I don't know if you've ever been to Amsterdam. I have not. I have been twice in my life. This would have been the second time that I went. And it is an amazing city that is so, there's so much like nature, right? Like the parks are beautiful. Everything's super well kept. Every time I always go to the Van Gogh Museum because that's like one of my favorite places there. Mm -hmm. Because you get to see everything so up close and, you know, I'm all about the art stuff. We had a great time there. And then we went to Florence and Stephanie was not prepared. And I honestly wasn't either. So we had um, on Instagram made contact with a uh, group of like travelers that were making a documentary about Radiohead fans. Oh, okay. Like go see them. Right. And so they were doing a meetup because these people were from Mexico. They were doing a meetup in Florence because, you know, they follow around the band. And so we did a meetup with them and the day before the show, they were like, oh, like, what time are you guys going to get in line? Right. Because this was an outdoor show. I believe it was like 45,000 capacity place. Right. It was this huge, huge place. And it was sold out. And they were like, what time are you guys going to get in line? Doors open at five o'clock. Okay. And I was like, oh, I don't know. Like, maybe we'll get there around noon. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I was like, what time are you guys getting there? And we're like, oh, we're going to get there at six in the morning. Holy shit. And I was like, six in the morning? Wow. Okay. <laughs> and so I look over at seven and I was like, I mean, should we just do it? Right? Should should we um, go there? So somehow I convinced her to. Uh-huh. And we stood in line at, I think we ended up getting there like around 640 or seven o'clock. So we got there. We had to skip breakfast in order to check out on time and catch the taxi. All all this terrible, like, it was bad timing on our part, right? We didn't eat breakfast. We only had a little bit of water. It was 97 degrees out. Oh, my God. There was middle of summer, no shade where we were. And we had to suffer in place until 5 o'clock. Oh, my gosh, dude. And the secret was that I had brought a ring to propose yeah. right this was this was this gonna be this <laughs> was gonna be when i was gonna propose and i have like the ring in my pocket the whole time and i'm like oh this sucks <laughs> stephanie's in a sour mood i don't blame her <laughs> yeah. we've been sitting in silence for an hour we're in a foreign country with no cell service so we can't even like be fucking around on our phones <laughs> It was tough, dude. And so the entrance where we were at was the exact opposite side of the stage, right? But we were number 42 and 41, I think, in line. And because we had the fan tickets, they let you in first. Mm. And so it, when you get through security, it's a football field. Oh, my gosh. Right? It's yeah, like 45,000 people. Yeah, it's a fucking football field. And you just have to book it in order to get to the front. So I told Stephanie, I was like, Stephanie, you're going to go through first. Okay. And the minute you go through, don't worry about me. (laughs) Don't look back. (laughs) Like, just run. Do not look back. If I'm not running, it's okay. But when you get there, sit down, make yourself big, 
and I'll arrive there eventually. <laughs> I'll find you. I'll find you. Exactly. <laughs> Dude, I've never seen this woman run so fast. I mean, she, she was in track, right? High yeah, school. she was in track. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there you so go. So she used all... The, She's got the skills. <laughs> all the saved up energy of track and booked it. And we got our thing. We got pretty good seats. I think we were pretty close to the front, maybe like three rows. Finally, like we were on in good spirits again. We got to eat like, you know, a sandwich and and finally drink some water. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, okay, I'm not going to propose until maybe two minutes before the show starts. Right. Because there's nothing worse than proposing, having a cool moment and then having to sit in the hot sun for two hours, you know? Yeah. So Stephanie goes to the restroom and we're in Florence. I do not speak Italian. Where um, she goes to the restroom and in front of us was a lesbian couple that we were talking to from Canada because they spoke English. And when Stephanie left, I was like, hey, guys, so check this out. I'm going to propose. So what I need you to do is I'm going to give you my phone (laughs) and ask you to take a picture but it's going to be on video already recording. <laughs> so that way they can capture it, right? Yeah, yeah. And I, you know, my expectation was they were going to be like, oh my God, that's so nice. Like, oh. Instead, they were like, oh my God, what if she says no? Oh, geez. And I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> what? what kind of <laughs> attitude? Don't bring that energy. That? Yeah, I don't need that <laughs> fucking energy. So whatever, we proposed. Uh, or I proposed, and she did say yes. Got a huge clap from the crowd, and it was a great rest of the night, right? Next day, we decide, for some reason, it was cheaper to fly back to the United States from Milan as opposed to Florence. Okay. So we took a train to Milan, a two-hour train, only to get to the airport and fly back home. And we are flighting United Emirates. Mm-hmm. Because they have a little bit extra seat room for like the regular passenger shit. Mm-hmm. We get there. The Italian airports have no law. There is, <laughs> <laughs> it is, it is a free for all. It is every person for themselves. When they say, you know, like checking in uh, group one, mm-hmm. everybody goes. Ev- everyone <laughs> just piles into this bitch. And it was an Airbus, so it was like a double level which uh, I, yeah. I had never been in a plane that was like that. And you could enter the plane from the front or the back, depending on where your seat was. Yeah. So our seat was in the back. And so we're in the line to get into the back and fucking Italian pandemonium behind us. And I'm just like, Steph, just stay close. Let's, let's get in there. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know what I mean? We go in, they scan our tickets and there's this little light, right? That turns green when yeah. you scan your tickets. Yeah. Ours turns red. Oh God. No. <laughs> And I was like, holy shit, we're, we're not, we're not going to make this. Oh, no. This was at a time where they were overselling the shit out of airline, out of uh, yeah, flights. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my God, it finally happened to us. Fuck. And so the dude who was checking it, who was an American, he, like, scans it twice and it turns red. And I was like, is something wrong? And he's just like, hold on one second. You know, click a click on the keyboard. Scans it again. Light turns green. And I'm like, dope. Thank you. He's like, yeah, uh, sorry about the delay, guys. You guys have actually been upgraded to business class. Oh, hell yeah. And I look at Stephanie. We've been engaged <laughs> less than 24 hours. 
And I'm like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> Your best life. <laughs> the best life. Except, <laughs> except that we were getting into the plane from the back. And the only way to get to the top where business class was, was to go to the front. Oh, boy. So we had to walk against the flow of traffic. Oh, that's terrible. With all these people coming in. We get there, we go up to the top, dude. I, I'm a simple man, Chris. <laughs> it's a whole new simple world. Simple <laughs> pleasures. Also, I don't sleep well on airplanes. Uh-huh. So my mentality was, I'm gonna stay up the night before, and on every part of my travel, so that when I get to the plane, I'm gonna be so tired that I will not, I can't not sleep. Mm-hmm. Right, because mm-hmm. we are flying from. Milan to JFK in New York. It was a very long flight. So whatever, we get up to the top. Business class, you know, it's one of those triple or three rows, three seats per row plane. Yeah. yeah. Upstairs, the aisles only have one seat and the middle has two seats. And they're set up in a way where you have your seat and then next to you, you have like a table. Mm-hmm. Every seat had like a 23-inch flat screen. Mm-hmm. There was a gaming controller mm-hmm. that you could like play video games on. And we just, I mean, <laughs> we're sitting there like, what is happening? The dude behind me, who I can't see, but Stephanie could see because she was across the aisle, was like, first time, huh? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, motherfucker, it's my first and last, probably. <laughs> And he was like, well, you know, in first class, everyone has a shower. Yeah, freaking insane. What? (laughs) What is this life? Yeah. And then all the alcohol was free. Yep. Five-course meal. And so, you know, we're we're strapped in. Plane takes off. The minute they, like, do the unbuckle sign, which I'm positive they did it earlier (laughs) than the regular regular class, uh, the economy class. And so... They turn that off, and I see people start going to the back, and I'm like, oh, okay, regular. That person really needed to pee. A little bit of time goes by, and I see more people go to the back, but I don't see people coming back (laughs) to their seats. They can't all be peeing. I was like, this is impossible. (laughs) What is happening? I have to check out this bathroom. (laughs) And so I get up, and I go to the back. And what is in the back of this business class but a bar Oh, hell yeah. With like leather seats and free hors d'oeuvres. And people are just chilling back there. It's party time. Getting fucked up. And I'm like, (laughs) what is this? What people do on 10-hour flights? This is amazing. (laughs) I was like, I got to check out this bathroom though. Because, you know. (laughs) I do guys see the bathroom. You You never know. It was a daytime flight. And so I go into the bathroom. And, you know, I'm a bigger dude. So... Airplane bathrooms are like, I'm just spinning in a circle. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> in order to use all the all the amenities provided to me by this fucking thing. And I, I go into the bathroom. I close the door. And, I, you know, when you close the door, the light turns on. And when the light turns on, I realize that in front or above the toilet, it's a window. A windowed bathroom. It's a windowed bathroom on a plane. So I'm like peeing and looking out at the sky (laughs) in this like beautiful day i'm like this is the highest class i think i can achieve and i did not sleep 
I could wow. not I could not sleep. I watched like four different movies. Stephanie passed out. I ate so much food. I drank. <laughs> and then we came back home. And that's why it was a great trip. Not only did I get engaged, not only did I see my favorite band, not only mm-hmm. did I go to Amsterdam, but more importantly, I got to fly back business class. Business class. It's business. It's business <laughs> class. <laughs> <laughs> our, our, our honeymoon trip takes a close second but uh well we can get talk about that another time did you get to go on business class in business class not quite not quite the are they're playing well i mean obviously i think there was a business class but mm. um not quite that but where did yeah, you guys honeymoon italy oh shit what part yeah. tuscany primarily oh did you wind it up well well i mean I, I could get into it we um so Francis was working with a woman at the time who was organizing and running, and she still does, as far as I know, a, I don't want to call it a tour group, but it kind of was like that, where she oh, okay. would, you would get a, she'd get a group together, like maybe 10, 12 ish people. And she had a whole thing set up where you would go stay at a villa. And, th- and this villa is literally a few minutes drive away from the actual villa in under the Tuscan sun. Oh, wow. So this is like legit villa. Legit villa. And uh, breakfast and lunch is included. All amazingly fresh Italian food from right there cooked for you by by this awesome staff. And you just sit out there, have your food, looking out over the whole Tuscan landscape. It's beautiful. Man, that sounds beautiful. Uh, and and she would or- she organized other like excursions to different parts of, of Italy. Um, mm-hmm. So... We went to Florence for a little bit. We went to Assisi, but it was cool. Good, like it was much more intimate. And the people we went with were awesome. We got to know like the guy who actually owned the villa. And then at the end of the, the trip, we went to a different place uh, run by another guy. But he basically gave went through like a, a seven course pizza dinner, and it sounds not very exciting. <laughs> but Italian pizza is freaking amazing. So yeah, all the yes. all these different types, and then he had all this other stuff with it. So like like prosciutto and fine meats and stuff like that, and cheeses mm-hmm. and every and all these different ways to pair with with the pizza. Oh my god! And it, it was sucked. The only thing that sucked about that was right next to that villa, he actually has a sunflower field, but it, we weren't there in season for them to be in bloom. Oh man! But yeah, they said when it's in bloom, like the whole freaking thing is just bright yellow. I bet. But that, that trip was was awesome because it was just me and her. You know, we got a lot of alone time together, a lot of time with these really cool people that were with us. Got to see the Italian con- countryside and experience all that great food, like the freaking 50-cent espressos that are amazing. Mm. The only thing that really sucked about it was, well, good and bad. So at, at the end of it, we spent a couple of days in Rome. Okay. Have, you ever been, have you been to Rome? No. I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> Why? What didn't you like about it? Uh, I mean, obviously, you can't you can't beat the historical stuff there, right? Like that stuff is just incredible. But the city as a whole, it felt like I was just in New York. Honestly. Interesting. And what, I was like in terms of busyness or people, like, like busy, crowdedness? yeah, crowded, busy, dirt. Like you know, it was dirty. Not not as quite as dirty as New York, but it was dirty. Really? Coming from the Rome is dirty. I mean. I don't know. It felt like that. Okay. And I'm also not used to people smoking 
as much as they do in Europe. Sure. Yeah. Those motherfuckers love to smoke. (laughs) Yeah. So that took some getting, and that's like multiplied exponentially in Rome. Yeah. And it's all rolled cigarettes. Yeah. But so, so not a huge fan of Rome in general, but what, what we did do was we decided to, I think we ended up, I don't remember what it took to get us in there, but we were like, you know what? We're going to go stay at some nice ass hotel. (laughs) So Hell yeah. we stayed at, uh, I think it's called the Bascalo in Italy, which mm-hmm. is one of the like five star. Oh my gosh, dude, this, this place, we walked into the bedroom and I swear that the ceilings are probably 25 feet tall. What? Like it just crazy, this whole place. And I think outside at one point we came out and there was this whole freaking collection of rare, super valuable cars just parked there i i i, I just can't <laughs> man beautiful hotel but damn <laughs> that honestly looks like the architecture of the place where i'm currently in in house uh house of p in lies oh, of p house of p oh really <laughs> yes nice it's very much which makes sense right because it, it sounds italian as fuck you think he's very italian that's awesome, uh, though. But yeah, damn, so we, this... we stayed there and we're like, damn, this is <laughs> this is nice. Looks like we made it. Yeah. We didn't, we didn't quite. Um, so our flight back got kind of screwed. We connected through Germany and we were hoping that we'd get to spend. I mean, we weren't we wouldn't have time to get off the airplane and out of the airport, but we wanted to at least pick up some things at the airport in Germany. Mm-hmm. But the timing of the flights got screwed. So we couldn't. And then um, we were flying Lufthansa. And so when, when they heard that we were there on like for honeymoon and all, and all that stuff, and that we got kind of screwed because of the timing, they brought us a bottle of champagne. Yeah, a bottle of champagne. And my uh, Francis was trying to, we had like euros that we were like, well, what are we going to do with these now? So she, she just started buying stuff off of like the Sky Mag thing. Nice. <laughs> And uh, there was something that she wanted. I think she wanted to get a bag and they didn't have it. So they gave her, I think they'd given her something else. And it was, they were just super nice to us after that. Hell yeah. Um, so we didn't get the business class treatment, but they they were very attentive and nice. Yeah. That's that, awesome. That was man. an amazing trip too. You heard it here, folks. Go to Italy. Stay the fuck away from Rome. <laughs> go, go at least once to see, you know, check out the Coliseum, check out all that stuff. And then dip the fuck out and go to the countryside. Yes. That's where it's at in Italy. I would, that, that is part of Italy that I really want to experience because Florence is really cool, but it's a city. It is a city. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of cool architecture, which I am a fan of and, and all that kind of stuff. But we were packed in. I remember Stephanie and I went for like a walk, you know, just like using my broken ass Google Maps since <laughs> I didn't have good cell service there. Yeah, I don't know how we we were in the city. We picked a point and we're like, we're gonna walk there because we have nothing better to do. We had just eaten some amazing pasta, which is like fucking unreal. Mm-hmm. So we're like, we need to walk this shit off. We start walking, and like maybe thirty minutes in, we realize that the last like mile is like completely vertical. Oh, oh my god, dude! It was. That's rough. when you just turn around. It was rough. Well, you know, we were dating. It was. 
<laughs> it was Italy. I didn't want to be that guy to be like, yo, fuck this. We're quitting. Like, yeah, no. <laughs> well, nice. Those are great vacations. Hopefully, do you have any vacations planned for the future? Japan. Oh, man. It's coming. We don't We don't have the exact plan yet, but it's coming. I want to go to Japan so badly. Dude, let's make it happen. I was supposed to go in 2020 to take my sister to drop her off for college. She was going to uh-huh. do a semester abroad. Right, right. And then there was like this um, small little scare called COVID. Mm. Mm-hmm. And that kind of ruined everything. Dude, I mean, we're looking at next year. See, for us, Stephanie's Vietnamese. So if we went to Japan, that would be a bounce off point to I mean, Vietnam. That's that's fine. I know. <laughs> All right, I'll talk to Steph. Steph, if you hear me, you, you want to go to Japan next year? <laughs> Japan, 2024. Let's do it. That's right. We'll make we'll it record happen. live. We'll record live. <laughs> Shit, we can record an episode on the plane. On the freaking plane. All you in hear our, is just like, shh. <laughs> in our business class lounge meeting yeah, room. That's right. <laughs> People trying to use the bathroom, but we're using it as a mic booth. <laughs> yeah, sorry, occupied. <sighs> that's right. It's a constant <laughs> sound in the back. They flush the toilet and the audio just distorts forever. <laughs> I want to pivot to our segment as a monthly check-in, right? I want to know what's going on in your life. I'll tell you what's going on in mine. Month, 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 monthly, 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 monthly check-in. I'll go first. You went first at the beginning. Hell yeah. So I wanted to talk about the mixes I've been making. That you've been making or has yeah. DJ Dado been making? <laughs> My alternate identity. Um, yeah, DJ Dado has been making mixes. Now I'm you know, I'm a total amateur at this guy, so that's 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 not so gonna set the bar really yeah. high. <laughs> I can do it. I will fuck things up from time to time. So sure. let's just let's just get that out there. But I love doing it. It's something I've always really enjoyed um, since I was back in high school. And I don't know, it's just the the idea of taking this collection of songs and turning that collection into one unified experience, right? Mm-hmm. That, that, that kind of takes listeners on a journey. And so I have a tendency to, you'll probably hear it in my mixes, but I have a tendency to start them one way and then end them another yeah. And it and it's always about where I want the feelings to go and all that kind of stuff. So, do you predetermine that the feelings? Yes, like Is the it, trajectory, the emotional arc. Sometimes it kind of depends. Because mm. usually, what happens is I'll 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 hit on a song that just inspires me to build a mix around. That's what usually happens. Or like right now, I'm I, I I've done two recently, and I've got. Almost enough ready to do the next two. Um, one of them is going to be a very loungy, down, <laughs> da- not down, te- not quite down tempo, but it's you know much, much more chill type of feel. Sure, that's probably a more consistent vibe all throughout. But and then I've started building a list of songs for the one after that, 
which is probably going to be a mixture of a lot of pop and other kind of uh, artists and songs that you've heard before, but are getting house mixes. And so I did that once before on a mix where I think the entire thing was like popular artists. Mm. This one is a little, a little mixture of different artists, um, some stuff a little more obscure, but I always like having kind of putting out the house remixes of other popular songs, especially if they're songs that I, that I may not, that like really transforms a song, you know? Yeah, definitely. Like a, a couple of the ones on there are for um, house mixes for Sarah Bareilles. Oh, wow. Who I like, I love Sarah Bareilles as a vocalist. So when I found those, I was like over the moon. <laughs> you know, it's <laughs> like yes, somebody made this. Thank goodness. Yeah, it's a it's a whole thing because I'll I'll spend I gotta spend the time looking for the tracks that I want. You know, and before uh, I'd just be kind of digging through songs that I had found and marked or saved or whatever. Yeah, but now I I mentioned a few episodes ago I I got a Zip DJ subscription, so now I can actually get fresh stuff. <laughs> and not, <laughs> not not tracks that are like 10 years old and get freshly but i gotta sit there listen i can filter them somewhat right but i can't filter right to what i want so i gotta spend the time pruning the list right mm. I, I gotta i gotta curate this list sure and then after that it's like okay now i've got got the bunch i gotta and then i start organizing them it's okay which one goes where how are these transitions are these gonna mix well together and you know, I, I, I've definitely missed a few of those in the two mixes that I've done thus far. Like a couple of spots were a little forced or I didn't spend enough time really listening. <laughs> I just kind of <laughs> put myself in a bad spot. Like, shit, there's no there's no space here to really mix this well. Yeah, you mix um, yourself into a corner. Yeah. <laughs> like, fuck. <laughs> You're like two vocals over each other, which is like, you know, the total DJ faux pas. Sometimes you can't be helped. And, and I'm using a... Right now, I'm using you know completely software mixer. Yeah. So there's only so much I can do with a single freaking mouse. Like I can't, <laughs> I can't go and manipulate every dial. You know, it's like fuck. So I'm limited, guys. Yeah. What I would love to do is get a, an actual physical controller at some point. I'm sure they're not they're not that expensive, right? There has no, to be a good used market for that. Yeah, I mean, and there's a huge range, uh, and I don't need anything complicated. So yeah, uh, it's on my wish list. I'll get it sooner or later. You heard it here, folks. Your <laughs> Patreon subscription can help all of us. So go to yes. patreon.com, sign up today, and hear the mixes. Patreon.com slash Samurai Beat. <laughs> That's true. I should have specified <laughs> that it should the, be us. <laughs> <laughs> you can go to, I mean, hey, you want to support Patreon too? That's fine. But yeah, I do, yeah, I do post the mixes there. Um, I actually interestingly enough, can put them on my YouTube channel. So I've been putting them there. And I did that primarily because it allows me and like the, you know, like Francis and the people that we're close to, to put it on their <laughs> Google music list. What's your, what's your YouTube channel so people can find it? Uh, it's, it's just at Chris Patu, I think. And I, they changed it. Like you can't do custom URLs. Any, I don't know when they changed that, but. I thought the whole thing with the custom URLs is that you have to have like a certain number of subscribers. Uh, I don't know for sure. When I was reading about it, it was like, uh, they don't do vanity URLs anymore. Interesting. But you, you can do a handle, which gets you there, but the URL itself is still, you know, some amalgamation of random numbers and stuff. Bro, you have 104 subscribers? I do. I see you, Chris. I see you. Now you have 
105. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I put them up there because before I would stick them in a Google Drive and share it, but then people couldn't, even if it was on my like YouTube music playlist, I couldn't, other people couldn't use that. Yeah. So, yeah. I was like, well, that sucks. So apparently YouTube's fine with it. The, the tracks that I use, they all get copyright claimed, but nobody gives a shit. So nobody blocks it yes. except one, one group in Russia decided to block it. But, uh, but yeah, so that's, that's what I've been into a lot this month is really getting in the groove for that. I want to get better and better at it. It's, it's hard just to find the time to do it. And, and on the other thing, right? So normally when you do this, you have the monitor, which plays the sound that's going to be recorded, right? Or that, or that normally would be going out the speakers to your party or whatever. Yes. And then you've got your headphones that you use to do the mixing, queuing up and all that kind of stuff. So I make the mixes in the middle of the freaking night because that's where we do everything. That's where I do anything, right? <laughs> so I can't go blasting my monitor. <laughs> like, oh, shit. Because everyone's asleep. So do you have both signals coming through your headphones? No, I considered doing that, but you can't have it coming through the same. I mean, you could, but it's not really going to, it's not it's conducive not to actually. Shit. Yeah. So I I was like, I, I, maybe I'll do two headphones, right? Yeah. <laughs> one Bluetooth, one plugged in. But what I have now is like a, I have one of those Google nest audio speakers sitting on my desk mm. and i use that as a monitor but i just can't crank it up so in, while i'm doing the mix and i'm like all right got it queued up beats are matching i'm gonna bring it in take off the headphones and i can barely hear this <laughs> like, fuck <laughs> i can barely hear it so i'm like right next to it <laughs> bringing in the track like real slow I'm yeah like, man this is terrible so that's why sometimes it's not going to be great, guys, but but my heart is there. That's right. <laughs> I promise. My and like everything and else it, we do, it's a work in progress. And it will get better. We'll make sure, guys, that you support Chris. Like you said, the mixes are on are on our Patreon plate. Oh my God, I can't talk. <laughs> All right, let me take that again. <clears throat> so yeah, guys, go ahead and support Chris. Like you said, his mixes are on our Patreon page. That's patreon.com slash Samurai Beat. Or you can go follow him on YouTube at Chris Batu. That's Chris, like it's usually spelled. And a B-A-T-U. And check out those mixes. They're pretty dope. Thank you so much. Yeah. So for me, like I said earlier, I just got back from a show. We are in Virginia. So for those of you that are local, I was at the Black Cat today, which is a staple venue in D.C., Mm-hmm. And I went to go see a band called Everything Everything. Have you heard of them at all, Chris? I have not. So they're a UK band. Been around for quite a while. I've liked them for a long time. I saw them the last time they were here. So the last time they were at the Black Cat was October 14th, 2017. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So it's been quite the while since they've been here. They just came out. Well, no, they did not just come out. The CD came out like a year ago called Raw Data Feel. And they just have been touring mostly in Europe. I think they're a lot more popular over there than they are here. And I went with Stephanie and my really good friend, Dom. Nice. It was a great time. It was not a sold out show. There was a lot of room to dance and groove. We got up pretty close to the stage. The opener was a dude named... What kind of music do they play first? So it is... How would I describe it? It is pop, electric, rock, (laughs) right? Like they use a lot of MIDI synths and sequencers kind of stuff, but it's also very instrumental based. 
Pop Electric Rock. Yeah, the last album, and, and I'll I'll share a, a song example with you in a second, but the last album that they did kind of leans more into that, like, almost like Talking Heads feel, okay. where it's like a little bit quirky, but they still use like electronics. Mm-hmm. Um, great vocals, very particular lead singer vocal tone. I know you're a fan of vocal tones, mm-hmm. so you're either going to love it or hate it. Sure. I, I find that I find that a lot of the music that I listen to is really vocally divisive like that. Like Radiohead's the same way. Some people yeah. hate Tom York's vocal. Uh-huh. I love it. Even though with every album it seems like he enunciates less. But less. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay with me. But the surprise find here was this opener. Pierre Quenders, I believe. He is from Montreal. Okay. I knew nothing about him. I listened to one track on the way to the show, and I thought it was really good. All right. So this track is called Natia. Nyata. 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 It kind of has like these African rhythms that I love. Yeah, definitely. Right? So I believe even though he's from um, Canada, his origin is the Republic of the Congo. That makes sense. So he he performed in like four different languages today. I was going to ask, did he... Uh, do you like it? What do you think about it? I do. I do. That's really cool. Yeah. I like how he slipped in and out of that language, too. It's very groovy bass music. There was a lot of dancing going on. Dude had some hardcore fans at the show. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. These, there were some females getting down. (laughs) I can see that happening, for sure. They were getting down hardcore, and the minute that he was done, they left. (laughs) <laughs> like, yeah, we don't care about everything. everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I respect. That's cool. I dig it. Yeah. Very groovy. Very groovy. And it was a perfect thing for Stephanie, Dom, and I because we just, we love any danceable music. Yeah. yeah. And and we dance like weirdos. So, <laughs> so I find that. You had space this time. Exactly. Exactly. So that was a great one. And then we saw everything, everything. So let me see what song would be the best one to show. You know what? Let me just show you. So this was not the lead single off of this album, but I believe it was the second one. I think it has a better representation of their sound. It is called I Want to Love Like This. I Want to Love Like This. I was singing this first line all day. Stephanie did not appreciate it. I was singing it to Thea. Why don't you listen to? She's old. This is cool. It's cool, right? I yeah. love their basses, dude. And this hook, this chorus is undeniable. Here it comes. Dude, I could put this in a mix. 
and their videos. So this particular album called Raw Data Feel. Yeah. They're obsessed with AI. That is why is that what this is? Yes. So they wow. they have written go watch the music video guys. It looks like uh wild yeah they, they film it but there's a lot of like ai layers that go into it so they develop their own ai okay, oh my gosh that helped them write some of the songs on this album they That's ended crazy. up naming the ai kevin and kevin <laughs> oh, no <laughs> and kevin is referenced a lot in in a lot of these songs um but a lot of their music videos for this era also include like visual ai with like weird color mapping and weird images being sunk in there and it's just it's really interesting to see a band that was more rock kind of take this modern technology and see how they can make it work for themselves Mm -hmm. so i really respect it plus i mean the hook is undeniable you know dude i'm i'm totally gonna put this in a mix (laughs) yeah Yeah. I'll, i'll share some other songs with you i think you might like but this song is baller i think it'd be fun to just throw it in there yeah but yeah, check, cool. check out that song. They were great, man. Um, it could have been a little bit louder, but we were right up on the stage. Stephanie was pretty much second row. And it was best case scenario. My wife is short, guys. <laughs> For those of you that are short and go to a lot of concerts, you know what's up. For those that don't, it sucks. <laughs> it sucks. Yeah, it sucks to be short and go to a concert. Stephanie says it all the time that it's a different like air quality down there. Like oh, oh gosh, yeah. Yeah. And imagine. like I can't even imagine. So she got to see everything, which was great. Got room to dance, which was great. We were all grooving. The great thing about the show was that everyone was singing along. And oh, cool. sometimes I I love to sing at shows. I don't give a fuck what people think around me. <laughs> but sometimes I feel bad because, you know, I belt a lot. And sometimes people just want to go see the artist. But the band encouraged it. So we oh. fucking went ham. Can't deny it. It was a great show. Highly recommend. Everything, everything. Listen, listen out for them on one of the upcoming mixes because I think that'd be awesome to do. I have pasted for you one of the two Cerebralis mixes. All right. So this one is for Fire. If you have you ever heard, do you listen to her at all? Nope. Not at all. Not one bit. Not one bit. Okay. Wait. 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 Okay. Question. Yes. So so I I am a huge fan of hers in terms of her vocal talent and capabilities. Would you rather, or or we could do all of it, <laughs> hear the mixes of her songs, or one of the one of my most favorite demonstrations of her capabilities? Let's listen to the remix first, and then listen to her her top ability. This is a remix of No Such Thing. See, I've I've listened to this mix so much I've forgotten what the original sounds like, but I'm pretty sure it's much slower than this. I'm assuming this is not the John Mayer song. No such thing. No, no, no. <laughs> it is not. I'd like to get to the hook. I don't know if we'll get that far, but I feel you. It's like you're in the next room. She does have a really good vocal quality to her. Oh, just wait, man. <laughs> just wait. Is this song like super slow piano ballad? I think so like i said I, I honestly can't remember what the original sounds like this <laughs> is this is my version yeah this is my version of this song 
Heavier on the electronics accents. Got that punchy. I don't even know what you call that, but that kind of like ducking when the when the kick hits. But yeah. So there's a remix of Sarah Bell. You'll hear that on one of the upcoming mixes. All right. But I really want you to hear. Uh, oh, that's right. She sang the love song. Yes, that's right? the, that's the song that made her famous. You know, <laughs> you know what's funny about that song. Hmm. Do you know it well at all? I believe so. It's a, it's a song about how she's not going to sing another love song. Oh. She, because she was, um, I think it was a, a label had asked her to, it was something like, I don't know if she was signed with them already or not. Yeah. But they were basically trying to tell her what to do. Like, look, we're not going to release this album unless you give us a hit. Yeah. And she's like, no, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> so she made this But I'll song. give you a hit anyway. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I was like, what a what an F you and like still work out. Absolutely. Oh yeah, and she did Brave. Yes. Although that's probably one of my that's one of my like least favorite song of hers. Yeah, I'm not a big fan. Taught it a lot when I briefly taught voice. Oh, did you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very briefly. Um if you don't, you should check her out. Her name is Sia. And she's uh oh. Is this chick gonna sing Chandelier? Just wait. So I'm gonna try to sing this song, and it's, I'm gonna tell you right now, it's pretty fucking hard. <laughs> Is she gonna play it on a ukulele? Yes. And she's gonna sing with no other accompaniment. Sounds great. You always know a great singer when they sound great off of a phone recording. Yeah, seriously. Wow, good for her. That sounds great. Dude, she's... I get chills when I listen to this. See, it's the beauty of, like, good songwriting. It's just, like two chords <laughs> yeah, it's, and it's all about the it's all about the voice man it is that's great i i see your sarah Bareilles singing chandelier Uh-oh. <laughs> and i raise you my favorite version of chandelier okay okay 
I'm excited. Let me get it to the right timestamp real quick. But once you once you click this, you can't you can't look at the, well. You're gonna look at the title, but man, she's got such she's got incredible control. Absolutely. I mean, to do that just raw. Yeah. You know, raw can't hide, and can't hide behind anything. Yeah. Exactly. All right, just put in a link. This is my chandelier. Are you ready? I suggest Shishy. you turn your volume down. It just. Uh, <laughs> I closed my eyes. I don't know what's happening. You ready? It's already started. Oh, it's already playing? Fuck. It just played. That's fine. <laughs> so what you're hearing right now, and I don't need to hear it. Oh I know God. what it is. This is Toad singing chandelier. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> don't do it, guys. Oh don't do God. it. Oh, I'm definitely playing this in the. Oh uh, my God, they're bleeding! <laughs> they're bleeding! <laughs> okay, so here's the thing about this: you feel free to stop I it. I, you don't I have can't. to. You don't have to go through that. Um, oh my God! Is that that's beautiful? That's what real music should sound like. And the uh, fact that someone—that's that's someone. You know what I mean? Actually doing that. <laughs> that's someone actually doing that. That's not like a pitched up voice. That's oh like God. someone doing that. That is, I mean, it, that's some talent. It's it, impressive. It's it's something. There's also a version of Let It Go, but we can oh. save that for next time. Oh, my gosh, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I need a minute. <laughs> oh. my, my ears have to start, have to stop burning. They have to restart. You got to re- reboot oh your ears. <laughs> yeah. You know what's funny? So it's like sometimes, you know, I'll have my um, earbuds on. Yeah. And I don't usually, you know, I keep it in transparency mode or whatever. But every once in a while, I'll be holding transparency mode. Yeah, you know, well, you can still hear like oh, through, oh like through ambient. Them. Oh. Yeah, like they're not noise canceling. I shut that off. But every once in a while, I'll be holding Callum, and he's just crying and <laughs> screaming his head off. Do you put it in it, noise? Canceling? No, but it, but it, like he'll when he gets into that really high note range, something it triggers something on the bud. Where it like cuts off. Has that ever happened to you? No, <laughs> that is like, not. Like he he's he's just like, ah! and when he gets right up there, it just it like blocks the ear. Yo, that is it's technology so, trying to save you. It has saved me many times. That is hilarious it's, and amazing. It was really unnerving at first, but then I was like, thank God. Yeah, <laughs> that's so funny. <laughs> the other the first time it happened, I was like, what the hell. How come I can't hear? Fun fact about uh, my sister is that she's deaf in one ear. And mm. I'll never forget, she was holding Thea and I was like, yeah, sorry. She's been crying a lot. So putting her down might be a little bit difficult. Well, she's like, oh, it's fine. I just hold her on the side where I can't hear. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, that's how you solve modern problems with modern <laughs> solutions. That, turn your weakness into a strength. That is correct. (laughs) But we are going to pivot Mm -hmm. to something weird, but cool. Very cool. But weird. A little weird. (laughs) But also cool. 
Super and cool. That is that we received an email from somebody suggesting a discussion topic. So we are doing listener mailbag. Which is great. That's right. Cue please, the <laughs> Yeah, please send in send in your questions. Yes. Cue the uh listener mailbag theme song. Oh, we're gonna have one of those. I don't know. I'm developing theme songs every fucking episode, it seems. I dig it. I dig uh, it. Yes. <laughs> it's just gonna be the the untitled news segment with different lyrics. <laughs> different lyrics. Listener mailbag. Listener mailbag. Listener mailbag. But we got an email um from and I say someone because it was sent through Anonymous mail so if this is you i'm calling you anonymous so if this is you anonymous thank you so much for listening i hope you feel seen and heard and now we're Mm going to read your email the email reads as follows some people define a completionist as someone who discovers every (laughs) why are you laughing (laughs) how dare you How dare you? I backed up so you wouldn't hear it. Oh, I heard it. I felt it too. I felt judged. (laughs) All right, we're going to try this again. I'm going to put, you know what? I'm going to put some elevator background music on this. It's fine. It's fine. Let me sip my water. I'm just going to mute myself. Don't worry about it. (laughs) Some people define a completionist as someone who discovers every hidden item, achieves every goal, performs every side quest, or maxes out their stats. Sometime in my young adult life, I decided that the definition of completion would be to finish a game on the hardest difficulty setting. To me, it meant that the game could no longer offer me anything more in the way of a challenge. I have endured everything that it could possibly throw at me and came out victorious. Maybe it made the reward that much sweeter. I honestly couldn't tell you because I only managed to finish a handful of games like this before I tossed in the towel and figured that there were better things I could be doing with my time than constantly die at the same place in a game for days and chuck controllers across the room. Eventually I realized, or maybe I just rationalized this to make myself feel better, maybe the difficulty setting is best is the best gaming experience. Oh shit, I read that wrong. <clears throat> Take two. Eventually I realized, Or maybe I just rationalize this to make myself feel better. Maybe the default difficulty setting is the best gaming experience, and that by upping the difficulty setting, the artificial challenge was only serving to break the mood, pacing, or narrative that the creators of the game had originally intended. Hmm? Question is, how do you feel about difficulty settings? How do you feel about games that don't have them, or have a lot, and what setting do you usually go for? Thank you, Anonymous. Thank you, Anonymous. Great question, especially because we know that Chris is a Soulsborn player, Indeed. and I am not. So, how do you how do you feel about this? How do you feel about difficulty settings in general? I don't know if I'd say you're not. Well, I'm getting there. I feel like I'm of mixed mind on this one. Let me just say, on the one hand, I don't mind if a game does not have any difficulty options. And so, you know, I I mean, I say that as someone who doesn't have to overcome any challenges. I don't know what it would be like to have a game that I might want to play not be accessible to me. So Mm. you have that angle. But the reason why I say that is because 
I if if the creators of the game, if the developers and everyone that's taking part in that vision of the game has have decided they want to put out this product in this way, then who am I to make them change that? I don't I don't necessarily want to say that every game needs to have difficulty settings. I mean, let the let them make the game how they want to make it. And if it's not for you, it's just not for you. But at the same time, I absolutely appreciate the developers that go out of their way to make their game more accessible. Uh, and and Sony's actually been really good at this. That uh, is lately. true, especially lately. Yeah, I don't I don't ever use those settings myself personally, but I'm always happy to know that they're there because it does obviously make the game more accessible. Yeah, I, I just kind of feel it's fine if there's no settings. And, and for me personally, there was a time when I would go to the more difficult setting automatically. But if that became a detriment to my experience, to my enjoyment of the game, like if I just wasn't getting good fast enough, yeah. then I'd have to drop it down or I'm not just not going to finish the game. Like, like Anonymous Mouse is saying, if I'm, if I've chucked the controller 20 times, it's that probably tells me something, <laughs> you know, <laughs> this is not like, it. I'm not good for that level uh, yet. Uh, so nowadays I tend to just play things at, the default difficulty and that's more because i just i don't have a lot of time to play games so yeah while i don't mind the challenge of trying to get through games at a harder difficulty i don't have the time usually mm-hmm. to if if the more standard you know encounters are going to get in the way and i was actually i actually made had to make this decision well i have to when i start cyberpunk again because you choose, and I don't know, maybe you could probably choose during game. I'm actually not sure. But there was like four different settings. And I was like, ooh, do I want to play the harder one? And then I thought, no, because if I just keep dying <laughs> in, the, in the beginning, I'm not going to have fun. Like I want to actually see it through, you know? Yeah. So for me right now, it's usually the default difficulty. Uh, I'm totally cool with the games that are, that are going to kick your ass. And that's like, there's no shame in them putting themselves out there like that. You know, so I'm fine with that, but definitely love the games like, like Insomniac's great at it, Naughty Dog's great at it, including all these different things. And the, the cool thing is every once in a while, even some of those modifications that are there for you know, accessibility's sake, some of them are even useful for other things. I don't know that I've ever had a game difficulty really be so hard that I didn't enjoy it, though. I don't think mm. I've hit that wall. Have you? There have been times. So if I'm in a... If I'm like hardcore gaming, right, which has been the case pretty much since my daughter's been born, but sometimes I'll have like dry spells where I just, I won't be doing anything at all. But if I'm in that cycle, I will usually play a game at a harder difficulty than default. Mm-hmm. What I have found is there. there's two types of, of like games that are happening right now. It's the games that are hard just to be hard. And then there's the other side of it where like, I feel like games have gotten too easy sometimes. Mm-hmm. With that said, I there are some games, like for me, God of War, the 2018 one, uh-huh. that's a perfect example of a game that if you put on a higher difficulty, you get more out of that game, right? Mm-hmm. That's not to say you can't enjoy it at the default difficulty because it has great story. 
The gameplay is great. You have options for your weapons. You know, you have like a lot of buffs and stuff like that. But when you play that game at the hardest difficulty, every boss, like you make total use of every skill, Uh of every like mechanic in there, every combination of mechanics. And when you go to fight like the Valkyries, for example, in that game, you have to have a certain moveset. Well, you don't have to. I, I guess you can brute force your way through it. But there is, there are specific movesets that apply to those bosses in order to beat them, right? Mm-hmm. And those movesets don't really make it easier. It just makes it fair. <laughs> <laughs> and some people might hate that. And, like, I get that. For me, I love it. I felt like I was at peak performance playing mm-hmm. that game at that high difficulty was it really tough? Yes. Did I die at the tutorial like 30 times? Probably. Mm-hmm. But once I passed that tutorial, I got it. Right? Yeah. I, I realized how reactive the enemies are. Now, there are other games that don't have even like a difficulty choice. Mm-hmm. You just go in and play it like, say, a Dark Souls, right? Or a Bloodborne. That to me is cool because... The creator is giving you a specific experience, and that experience is going to be the same across the board. It isn't like when I played Final Fantasy 16, Mm. you have three options of difficulty. Lower difficulty is always called like story mode. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right? It's like, if you just want to enjoy the story, And not worry about it. And then you have your default, which is like a balance mode. And then the action mode, where it's like, if you want harder difficulties. And I think that's a really poor way of framing it, right? Because just call it what it is. It's just a lower difficulty. That's perfectly fine. Right. But then you'll beat a game, and they'll be like, new game plus with like (laughs) harder, even harder difficulty. That I don't mind. Because you already beat the game. Yeah, You already accomplished what you needed to do. If you want to set the difficulty to some crazy level where it's just like annihilation and getting punished by it, by all means. Mm-hmm. Like I'm playing Lies of P right now. No difficulty setting. Hard as hell. Mm-hmm. And I love it. <laughs> right? See? You, I, are a, you are a Dark Souls player. I, I am getting there, dude. <laughs> It's so interesting. I I think it's because I never really like put that much effort into games like this. But now, like I got to this boss and it's four people. Wow. That you have to fight. And there's one main person that you're actually fighting, but as you get their health bar down, their like siblings come. Sure. Yeah. And then you have to fight two at a time. It's always two at a time. It's terrible. And holy shit, dude. Like three days of my gaming time (laughs) was devoted to this one boss. And I was getting really frustrated because I was trying to force the game to play it how I wanted to play it. And I was not paying attention to how the game wanted me to play it. If that makes sense. Yeah, and there's something to be said about that too, you know. Like I'm trying to think of a a, a good example of that 
in gaming? Uh, there's a ton of that in Armored Core. You um, you could so Armored Core is it's a mech game where they are your mechs are highly customizable. You you have four weapon slots to put a whole multitude of different guns and you know missiles or whatever. But the game uses it's from the same developer. It's from from software. It uses a like essentially an elemental or damage type system. So mm-hmm. your the opponent can have can throw up a shield for a particular damage damage type, and it can change throughout the the match or the the fight. And you have to get past that shield to get them staggered, and then to do like serious damage. Mm-hmm. You don't necessarily have to use the right weapons to get through that shield but it makes it a whole heck of a lot easier if you do you mm-hmm. know so i could be stubborn about it and just play with the guns that i like and keep going at it until i figure out how to dodge all their attacks and get in my own and do enough damage to bring the shield down anyway or i could just pop on a one or two of those weapons and then you know <laughs> make it a whole lot easier for myself in the process yep so i mean it, it's one thing and that's, I guess that's a good thing to debate too, is should a player be allowed to approach things the way that they want? Or, you know, what what do we say about a game that man, essentially mandates you to, like Sekiro, for example? Mm-hmm. You If you don't play that game the way you're supposed to play it, there's no way yeah, you're, you're, you're going to make it through. Yeah, Because <laughs> you, you have very little options in terms of variability, right? You you have items that you could use and that's about it. So it comes down to skill. Yeah. hundred percent. And so that, you know, and that's not everyone's going to take to that really well because they want to play games the way that they play games. And I think that's just, you know, you agree to disagree and move on. It's, that's unfortunate that not everyone would get to enjoy a game like Sekido because it's awesome. Also from, from software, but it is what it is, you know, yeah. They, they they design it to be this kind of game, and if you can play that style, then then you can beat it. Otherwise, sorry, you know. I mean, I think I think there's a place for both. I, yeah. I think the people who like one aren't going to be the people playing the other. Like, if you like open world games, where like you can really do whatever you want or approach some sort of problem solving, whether it be some sort of puzzle or beating a certain kind of enemy in your particular way, mm-hmm. by all means, right? Me personally, I love a curated experience mm-hmm. because part of the reason that I play games is to kind of wrap my brain around different series of mechanics, right? I was looking through my games list real quick, yeah, and the game that like stands out to me right off the bat was something like XCOM Mm -hmm. where XCOM you can play at various difficulties. If you play on the normal difficulty, it's a hard game, right? Yeah. Yeah. For those of you that don't know in XCOM, it's like, what, what is that genre? It's just like a real-time strategy game. It's not real. It's turn-based strategy. Oh, turn-based strategy. Very tactic, tactical strategy game. Yeah. So you basically have a squad and you have different maps with different um, objectives, and you accomplish them. Now, you have enemies that you fight, different enemies, just like we talked about before, with different buffs or resistances, whatever. So you have to build a team that will solve that objective. If one of your teammates dies, they're gone. They're gone. 
<laughs> right? And it's also partly resource management because you have to leverage your resources to recruit more people. And you can literally get into a frozen state on the game where you don't have enough money to recruit anybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And all your people are dead and you have to restart the game. And that's on normal difficulty. <laughs> you it put, could happen. You put it on like veteran difficulty and everything is a one-shot kill. And it is chess. Like you are literally playing chess. And mm. every every move needs to be precise or else you're going to get screwed. Does that make the game better? It depends on who you talk to. Same thing with uh, the Batman Arkham games. Mm-hmm. Have you played those games? Yeah. I love those games. I don't know what it was about it. Asylum and City, obviously, top tier. Arkham Knight, meh. <laughs> but same thing. When you put that game on a really high difficulty and like your parry window becomes smaller, you feel like Batman. <laughs> yeah. Like you feel like you are the one against insurmountable odds and you are just wrecking house. And then on the other side of that, you have Marvel's Midnight Suns that has like seven difficulty settings. Does it really? Yes. Holy crap. And the cool thing about that one that I will say is that you unlock difficulty settings by accomplishing missions in the difficulty setting previous to it. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like you have to prove yourself yeah, to, to get that you there, can yeah. even get there. So I think that's a pretty valid thing, but that's too many choices. I don't need to play the replay <laughs> the game like 17 times in order to do the difficulty that needs to be done. Yeah. But what about uh what do you, how do you feel about something like a Resident Evil where you get raided on like finishing a game? I love them and I hate them. Because yeah. there's a there's a part of me that wants to always do it at the best possible. You want to get that S rank? Rating, yeah. But then I realize that's that's going to take entirely too much time and commitment to do that for a game like that. Because then you have, in order to get S rank in, in games like that, in a lot of cases, you need to have a very particular set of circumstances or items or whatever to, you know, to get through it fast enough or efficiently enough to, to get that rank. When it's like that, then I kind of, it loses its luster for me because mm. it's more like, well, did you get this item? Because that's the only way you're going to do it that fast. Sure. R- rather than, can you just do it that fast? <laughs> you know? <laughs> it becomes less about skill and more just about like planning a run. Yeah. And so like, I was reading Anana Mouse's email and he's, this person's kind of talking about how the, the definition of completion or completing a game has changed over time. And um, I feel that too. I, I think what it boils down to for me in terms of both the definition of completing a game and also dif- like choosing difficulty and things like that is at what level am I really going to enjoy it? You know, and sure. that's, that's obviously going to be very subjective, but I like, like me personally, I thoroughly enjoy games that challenge me, but like you said in the other episode, it's fair, but difficult, but fair. Is that it? Yeah. Yeah. Difficult, difficult but, but fair. fair. Because like I know when I go into a From Software game, it's like, yeah, I'm sure this game is going to kick my ass for a while. Mm-hmm. But I also already know in the back of my head it's doable, so I, it doesn't. I don't get hung up, right? If I encounter a game that's just unfair, then it's not fun. <laughs> so that that's like that's why I trust From Software games. Like they they're so great at that. Yeah, and finding then that balance. If I if I can if I get through normal difficulty a little easily, I might try out the the more difficult setting. 
to see, is it providing me a fair enough challenge for me to still enjoy it? Mm-hmm. You know, um, once it gets to the point where it's going to take too much time and effort to actually get to that point, then mm-hmm. I'm out, you know, then I, then I'm out of it. Completing a game for me has pretty much become as much as I would like to do <laughs> everything <laughs> in a game, every side quest, You're every find everything. Well, that, that's the thing. Like it, that's kind of where my definition of completion ends essentially is if, can I get the platinum? Of course that, you know, each game is going to have a different kind of completion, um, requirement to yeah. get that platinum. So some of them will require, ask you to do every little thing. Um, <laughs> some of them don't. So some of but, them will literally be like, please put in your social security number <laughs> in order to get a platinum. Here's your platinum. But, but that's essentially what it is to me. Like, can I dedicate enough time to achieve all the things that the developer have put in front of me as challenges? Right. Yeah. But like, like I said, a couple episodes ago, I wanted, I really wanted to do that for Hades and I was well on my way to doing it. And then I, I was like, you know what? It's going to take too many runs. It's just going to take too much time to do it. Might I pursue it over time? Maybe, but you know, I had to give up on that one. Yeah. That's where I end up with it. It's like, it's, it's really at one point does enjoyment change into (laughs) pure frustration. (laughs) Into hate. Yeah. But, but I, you know, like I said, being a person who loves games from FromSoft, the point of frustration is very different for me. Yeah. Especially with their games. I tend to replay games a lot. And there is something fun about like replaying a game on a harder difficulty just for the sake of getting more bang out of your buck out of mm-hmm. that game. I think um, the Resident Evil 4 remake is a good example of that. Right, I loved that game when it first came out on the GameCube. Huge fan of it, even though I, I never really played any other Resident Evils. And then when the remake came out, obviously got it day one, played it, purposefully played it on the hard difficulty. I think there's four difficulties. Okay. And I the default is two. I played it on three. And I had such a good time with it. Nice. Like it, it felt for me, it, it's, it's a little bit weird because if a game is too easy, that pisses me off. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what am I doing here? I'm wasting my time. Yeah. Yes. What is this? A game for ants? You know, <laughs> <laughs> like it, <laughs> nice. It, yeah. I don't, I don't get it. But then I also, you know, not to toot my own horn here. Right. That's the, that's the, that's a mm-hmm. phrase. Yeah, that, that's how it goes. Yeah. That's a phrase. Um, <laughs> That's how that those are the times that I feel like a real gamer, right? Not someone yeah. who plays games, but a real gamer where and that's not gatekeeping to those of you that casually play your real gamers too. I'm just saying personally, if I can just notch it up, if I can go one above default, I feel yeah. pretty good about myself. Yeah. And then I'll do that and if I'm just dying all the time, I will reluctantly go back to the default because I still want to have a good experience. And part of my good experience is to be challenged. I'm yeah. not, Maybe sometimes I play like a mindless game. Like if I'm playing Civilization VI, mm-hmm. th- that I'm just going through the motions yeah. in that game, yeah. right? But if I really want to like, I remember when the remake came out for Resident Evil 4, I beat that game three times. Damn. And you know... 
And Dead Space. <laughs> and Dead Space. Well, Dead Space, I only beat one and a half. Uh, okay. But with the remake, I beat it three times because I wanted to get that S rank, dude. Oh, it got you. And you know what's funny is that you can get it. I tried to get an S rank on the easiest setting. You can't, right? You can. Well, you can? no, no, no. You can't get an S plus. Because oh. it's Capcom. <laughs> you can't you can't fight with them. But you can get an S setting, right? And everything was so easy. I was like flying through the game. I beat the game. I get an A ranking. And I'm like, mm. what the fuck? <laughs> right? And it's because I, I had read the requirements for getting an S uh, rank was beating the game under five and a half hours. Okay. So I'm running this game like full tilt. I'm buying the rocket launcher to like one shot some of the bosses and, and give me some more time. Right. Turns out I read the requirements for an S rank rating in the default setting. Mm. And in the easy setting, I was supposed to beat it under four hours. Oh, goodness gracious. The DLC just came out. They got you. And I was thinking about going back, but I can't go back. <laughs> I cannot go back. But I do love me some difficult games. If it's too easy, like why am I even doing it? We also came up at a in a time where games were hard as fuck. Oh, they were stupid hard. Like they you needed hard. to have a guide sometimes in order to find crazy shit. Like for those of you that are younger listeners, the fact that you have the internet as a resource Oh, yeah. Is amazing, right? Yeah. Like, for example, in Lies of P, I was having trouble with a certain kind of enemy and I was getting really frustrated. So, what do I do? Open up I'll YouTube. Hop online. Lies of P, this certain enemy fight. There it is, like 17 videos of a boss guide. <laughs> you don't use the game help feature? <laughs> <laughs> what even is that? <laughs> but, you know, that's, that's easy. And then if back in the day, not to like super age myself, if there's some game that I'm trying to beat and I don't know what to do, like that's it. And I and I talked about this, I think, in one of the earlier episodes about like Super Metroid being one of those games. You had to talk to your friends. <laughs> if you had them. Womp womp. And then hope <laughs> and then hope that somebody had seen, you know, the uh <laughs> the EGM or yeah. some other magazine that did the guide on it. Exactly. Or they called like the Nintendo hotline. Yeah. Yeah. You remember that shit? Yeah. Oh, for yep. those of you that don't know, back in the day, Nintendo had a number oh on the back of their Nintendo power magazines. And you could, I even think they had it in some of the instruction booklets. In I the think game. so. Side note. Why did we get rid of instruction? Booklets? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. That used to be how you learned how to play a freaking game. I hated it when they just became like two sheets of fucking paper. Oh, my God. It was such a waste. Now <laughs> they don't like, even bother with that, dude. You open up a game case, it just feels naked with some yep. single-ass disc in there. But anyway, I digress. So you used to be able to call this number when you were stuck on like a puzzle or something. And people would be there ready to pick up with like these binders of maps <laughs> chest locations, secrets in certain games, and you would call and be like, oh, 
I'm having trouble with the <laughs> third boss in, you know, Link to the Past. And they'd be like, oh, okay, hold on. Go get the book. Turn to the button. They're like, all right, well, he's vulnerable to fire. So just like chuck bombs at him and <laughs> stop bombs. trying to <laughs> stop trying to slash. And you're like, oh, oh. okay. <laughs> They're like, all right, great. And then you look at your bill and that was like a $20 phone call. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> and your parents get pissed. That's right. Why are you calling Nintendo? But I think that kind of strengthened our resolve in order to deal with some of these, in today's society, harder games. Because hmm. there are some really easy games out there now. There are some really easy Like triple A title easy game. I guess gaming's yeah. for everyone now. Thanks, Nintendo and your Wii. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's fine. It's just not a game I'm going to play. Is it? Is it fine? They can make what they want, Eddie. They can make I guess. what they want. The only thing they're making is a bunch of money. <laughs> well, thank you again to Anonymous for sending in that listener question. You guys can also send in questions. Our email is themidnightconnectionpod at gmail.com. doesn't just have to be about gaming. It can be about literally anything. We're pretty much open books at this point. And having only recorded seven episodes, we have already opened ourselves pretty wide, but we will continue to do so for your <laughs> entertainment. And you can tell us who you are. You could tell us who you are. We're not judgmental. And if or you don't use a handle or you can yeah, exactly a handle or you can tell us for real, but ask that we don't say something. your name. <laughs> yeah. And then we'll call you Kevin. Kevin, the AI, Kevin, the AI that's going to take over. That's right. Thanks, everything. Well, everyone, that's going to do it for another episode of The Midnight Connection. We are super thankful that you guys have stuck around all the way to the end of an episode because every play helps. We are a young, growing, emerging podcast, and we can't grow without your help. So we thank you first, and then we'll always ask that you share the podcast with at least one person who you think might find it funny, interesting, or just something to do while you're doing work from home. <laughs> <laughs> we do serve a very good background noise ambiance to any room. And always rate, subscribe, because that helps us out too. Once again, if you want to check out Chris's mixes, you can go to our Patreon page. That's patreon.com slash Samurai Beat where we will be uploading in the future some possibly Patreon-exclusive episodes along with our Pay the Price show that should be coming out probably by the end of this month, start coming out. That's the goal. That is the goal. Um, any last words, Chris? No, you got it. Nailed it, everything. Thank Boom. you guys so much. All right, guys. Well, we will see you next time at midnight. Thanks for tuning in to The Midnight Connection. The Midnight Connection is a product and trademark of Samurai Beat LLC, which is a fan-funded organization made for you and made possible by you at patreon.com slash samuraibeat. Support us there and join the conversation by submitting your questions, comments, and topics for future shows. We seek to entertain and build a community of adulting gamers like you, and we appreciate your support, your confidence, and your inspiration. Thank you.